Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of ATDC Radio and Stone. This is the final one for today. Hey, this is it, man. This is the home stretch. What a marvelous time we have had here today, with the exception of absolutely no lunch. I know we got to work on that lunch <laughs> catering uh, issue. There. And we brought personnel, we, we brought know. entourage and all that, but she's been working as well. But it's been a lot of fun having Joy on the, on the team with us today. And we have had some marvelous conversations with some bright, passionate folks out there doing some real good. This episode is going to be no exception. Uh, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast our first guest for this episode of ATDC Radio, Mr. Ackman Van Mary with Spot You. How are you, sir? I'm well. I'm well. Very happy to be here. How are you doing? We are doing good. Well, tell us about Spot Q. How are you serving folks? Uh, Spot Q is a driver relay platform. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with trucking industry. I'm not familiar. All right. Why okay. don't you educate us? I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, recently, uh, they pass a new uh, rules uh, regulation for truck drivers where they can only drive 11 hours a day. So before that, they could drive they, it's, it's, 12? It, it was there, but they didn't really follow the rules. <laughs> they, didn't, uh, they didn't enforce that. So, yeah, so about a year ago, the government came out with what's called ELD, electronic uh, logging devices, where they actually can check to see whether or not the driver's been on for more than 11 hours. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you can recall a few years back, this crazy accident on the Turnpike, Jersey, a driver hit Tracy Morgan vehicle. Right, 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 for, right. Okay, so that driver's actually was driving for more than 24 hours. For security uh, reasons. 24 yeah. hours yeah. straight? Yes, for safety reasons, so they asked that uh, those drivers keep it at 11 hours driving time, and you have three hours to do your paperwork, and you have the rest to sleep. Um, for our own safety. So that's 11 for the driving, three for the paperwork, yes. and then 10. So that's your 24-hour day. Correct, correct. And, and because of it, uh, you have, uh, if you look at any uh, articles about, you know, whether it's Bloomberg, New York Post, Washington Post, every single one of them talking about driver shortages. And added to that, we order more stuff than we used to. Um, we want everything the next day, uh, the latest 48 hours. So because the uh, high demand in trucking, um, for last year, we had a deficit of 50,000 drivers. And it's a combination of we're ordering more stuff, so more stuff's being trucked. Correct. And now they're really holding them to, they can't do 24-hour days anymore. Correct. The limitation. Because of that, that creates an issue for trucking companies. Right. You have a, a, a truck driver who gets 30 miles away from the destination. But he ran out of it's time. It's 11 hours, so yes. they got to pull over. Yes, you you must pull over. And they, they call the last hour the anxiety hour, where when you have an hour left, all you're looking for is the next parking lot. Right. Um, the truck stops. Because if you get caught, you're in trouble. You know, you get fined, your license, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. So now do they... Like, how do they uh, deal with that? Do they put two drivers in a truck? Like, how do they... Yes, um, you you absolutely right. A lot of companies, the large one, can afford to put two drivers on a the truck. They call it the team ch- drivers. 
And it's a very hard thing to do. Imagine you in a very small space, just like, uh, you know, a small this room, room like right. this. <laughs> yeah. And then you stuck with another person for months at a time. You better like them. Yes. And often <laughs> time they do not like each other for, for that much. You get irritated. So what we come up with to alleviate some of that pain is by creating a platform. Let's say your driver gets to Atlanta and he's supposed to make three deliveries in Atlanta. But he gets here, he ran out of time. And all his appointments for today, he can't make them because he doesn't have the time to make them. He will be driving illegally. So we give companies access to our platform to find a qualified driver with available hours that can actually jump into that tractor and continue making those deliveries. Because here's what happened when you, when you miss appointment. Some big companies find you when you miss the appointments, and then you require 48 hours notice before you can reschedule your appointment. So that means you have a driver that's gonna be sitting around for the next 72 hours at least before they can make that appointment. And I came, uh, the reason why personally I wanted to solve that problem, the first company I started I ran for 10 years, I, I ran a company where I had those drivers running out of time, because even before the government was really strict about it. You have drivers with 500,000 miles without incident. They're not going to take the risk driving illegally. Right. And you tell the driver, hey, you're only 30 miles out. Come on. Come nobody on. Gonna, what the worst that could happen? So I would have my clients yelling at me, the guy is 30 miles out. Tell him to come here. We're going to stay open until he gets here. And the driver on the other side will say, no matter how much you pay me, I'm not going to take that risk. So now the problem that... When I look back, we couldn't fix it. Didn't have the technology in place or a smartphone and any of that stuff. But what we have now is SpotQ. SpotQ allows you to just jump on the platform, see the nearest driver available, jump in the truck, finish your deliveries, and your driver goes about his business. But okay, so now if I'm stopped driving, and right, I'm not driving. Yes. Now this other driver comes in. They, I just hand them the keys. Correct. Because what he does, because... Where am I? Am you, I st you're still in the truck. But I'm just, I'm doing you're my paperwork. You're riding shotgun, yes. Right. Because the driver shows up, um, application, you check the driver to make sure that's the right person. He, he takes a selfie, and then our system will verify this is the right driver, and then you know this is the right vehicle as well. You do a quick inspection of the vehicle to make sure everything's in place jump into the car, I mean the truck, get the keys, and start driving making those deliveries. So is this like a whole nother almost career opportunity for the local, like short-run driver guy? Could you, you make a you, career out of that? Yes, you're a very smart guy. Right, then you yes, don't have to leave yes. home, your marriage Correct. stays intact? Correct, because you have, you have local truck drivers now that currently would leave work and do some ride-sharing gig on the side. Right. So they take their car and make some extra money. Now, our service will pay you probably three to four times, even five times than what you would make with a ride sharing vehicle by just using your driver's license. So a two hours work or three hours, four hours work is equal pretty much to what you make in full time. So is this something where I can get a sort I'll be a certified 18 wheel truck Correct. driver? Yeah. CDL license. Right. Yes. So I'm a yeah. commercial driver. And then do you you need more of those people? So, like, are you going to help me? Like, if I'm saying, hey, I don't want to drive the Lyft or Uber. I'd rather drive your thing. Yes. We, I'll yes. get the license. Correct. 
Correct. Um, we we will because if you think about Lyft, Uber, when you the, those companies started, you probably I believe you had two hundred and thirty thousand taxi drivers. Right. Right. Now you have over two million people driving for those. How many those taxi drivers you got? Yes. Probably less. Yes. Correct. <laughs> and if you let's say we here at Georgia Tech on on in the campus area, if you went to any class at Georgia Tech, you ask hundred students, how many of you wants to be part time taxi drivers? Zero. Zero. <laughs> now, if you go back, probably half of them already driving for Uber or Lyft, okay. maybe both, right? right? So that's the same mindset we want to bring into the industry. So, so you're trying to get existing truck drivers to give them an option to make a little extra money when Correct. they're not working. Correct. But also you want that person that can do this just to get certified to be that commercial truck driver. Correct. So they can do it. Correct. So it's open to anybody. Correct. Because like now, how much can I make to make three deliveries, like dollar wise? I know it's more than Uber, but like how much are you talking about? Yes, if if you think about it, we want the average driver to be able to come up with two fifty, three hundred dollars at the end of four hours work, four five hours work. So, um, because you're looking at companies that situation, this this is the biggest problem. For me, when I was on the other side of it, the company that had to look for drivers, the minimum it will cost me when I'm late is $750. Wow. And my driver's mm-hmm. right there. He just can't make it. Right. So I need to call a third party, say, okay, my driver doesn't want to stay in New Jersey for the weekend. I'm going to come have him drop this to you when he's got enough hours because the place will be closed by then. He can't make those appointments. You will call next week, make those appointments. And then have your own driver mix those delivery for me. So those companies charge a lot of money to do that because they have to unload my truck, put into their warehouse, and right. then load their company's right. truck and make those deliveries. Right, and this is just make a what? Just go on the app and yes. say I need a driver for three stops, Correct. and then you just find Bill shows up. Yes, you go jump in, and where do you, where does he drop Bill when Bill's done? No, the, the current driver, the, the original driver is still there. He keeps the paperwork. Our drivers just only provide you the service of driving, helping you make your deliveries. Right, but what happens when that last delivery is made? Oh, our, the fact that it's it's in certain radius. So if it's close to our, if the driver needs still to take the truck back with the original driver to the truck stop where he himself left his car, that's, he goes back that's there perfect. Yes, and, and get back in his car. If he took an Uber ride or Lyft ride, our system will recognize if if he needs Uber, get him Uber back to his location. Wow. Yes. So you thought of everything, huh? Trying to. Still <laughs> get, uh, you, you never, it's, it's still trying to figure out things. But our biggest thing is to make sure that uh, those companies take advantage um, of those equipments they pay in so much for. Because right. when you have an equipment that they're already using their equipments about 44% of the time. And to have it sit there because your driver is not, you know, for 30 miles. We have one of the big companies in Atlanta. I'm not going to name them. They had a a huge uh, truck of flour coming to to one of the big uh, guys here. But the the driver was only 30 miles out. And the company screaming, I don't care. I need my <laughs> yeah, stuff. You cannot it. be late. Right. Uh, you know I was going to need this. And you cannot, you know, give me excuses. And a lot of large companies actually dang you. Um, they give you a report card on a weekly basis. Some give you a report card on a monthly basis about how many times you're late. And after so many times, they ask you not to come back. So right. we want to help uh, fix some of those issues. So now right here in Atlanta, how much... 
uh, availability is there? Like, do you need one driver, a hundred drivers? How many? Oh, we we want to get as many as it because it's a, it's the power of the network, right? It's the Metcalf law. You you the the value of the network it's based on how many people you have on the network. So the more people we have on the network, the more valuable our network. We we don't want to have a customer come on our platform and say, okay, I needed a driver in Noon in Georgia. You didn't have anyone in that area, right? So we don't care where you are. Just just. Get on the yes, get on and the you're network. looking for experienced and novice people, right? Yes, yes. Some so entry drivers, that's the best way to get experience. A couple um, hours at a time. Yes. And sitting next to an experienced yes. person. And the benefit is we do not we we do not penalize driver if you feel like hey uh, I would love to work for this company full time and the company wants to recruit you. Even you're a freelancer, you decided to go full time with a company, we encourage it. Right. And because then it shows you you have a career path. Correct. Correct. So now um, there's a driver shortage. This kind of helps that. Yes. Right. Are you what stage are you at? Are you here in Atlanta? Are you all over the country? We in Atlanta uh, in a few weeks, we deciding we, we the year just started. So we're planning out where we're going next. So we continue the focus now is to build our driver's network Uh uh, in a couple of weeks, I will be in Palm Beach uh, talking to a lot of executives from trucking companies. So to build our network, to add more trucking companies on our network. But the main focus, to be frankly honest, it's it's bringing more drivers. drivers. It's yes. the chicken and egg thing, right? You yes. need both the, <laughs> the, the, the truck company, but you need the drivers. Yes, especially the drivers. Right. Yes. So now do you have a strategy to get more drivers? Um, they just tell them the truth. Um, understand that they have a need. Um, the, the Truck drivers make money, but not as much as most people think. Mm -hmm. And they work very hard. And we believe if we can give them an, an opportunity to add some extra money without leaving their family behind, that, that's it's a great value prop uh, for them. Right. So now, why did you decide to um, kind of start here in ATDC? Um, I started a company here before in at ATDC. Um, this is my second company at ATDC. Uh, it started uh, a company called My Lumper, now called RoadSync, um, about uh, a few years back. So I have a great experience with ATDC, and I love the environment of like-minded. Um, so whatever, whenever you think you're having a bad day, there's another guy next to you having it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so it's it's a great environment to be, and you have access to great people as well. You can ask for it. Like talent, you're yes. talking about talent. Yes, talent and and mentorship and 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 friendship. It's 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 a great environment. If if because this world of startup, it's it's not the easiest. If anyone asks me, uh, I'll say you know stay away from it but i know i can't but um it's it's if you're gonna be a startup you're gonna start a company i think this is a good place to be a great place to be and what do you need more of right now just more drivers uh drivers um <coughs> we're looking at the different position of people we want to add because uh, when you bring in more drivers you also want to bring uh, uh recruiters that can help you streamline some of those people. We use technology, but we believe in human touch first mm -hmm. and then have technology learn from the human and, and get it better. So it's it's funny. One of the unintended consequences of this 11-hour rule is your company started, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And I think that's a good thing. Right, because they they 
disrupted things, and then now you're trying to solve the problems that they created. Correct. Um, and, and that's it. We, if you're looking at it, um, when was the last time you went to a Publix and your favorite thing wasn't on the shelf? But you never thought about that, right? right. Mm-hmm. But if you look everything around you, some truck driver had to get it there. Right. And to get it there, you don't know the magic that had to happen in the background to make sure it gets there on time. Right. So we want to continue on that, um, build on that, and make sure that those companies continue to provide great services. Now, what's your feeling about uh, this autonomous trucking that, they, that everybody talks about? Yes, uh, we spent a lot of time studied uh, autonomous trucking. Um, we we had great relationship with a lot of companies in the space. Um, autonomous trucking will come. It's a long way out. I mean, there's a lot of hype about people doing tests on the highway, but they don't explain to you how they do those tests. Right. Uh, those tests, how many highway patrol they have following the truck, <laughs> blocking the street here, blocking that. Even that, let's assume it comes tomorrow. There's always one part of it that's gonna be around. You're not gonna see those 80,000 pound vehicle in the urban areas. That right. means if they do a long haul, when they get to the end of the road, they need a real they driver to human. take over. And guess why you need to get that driver? Right. You need to find mm-hmm. us, because we will have that network for to you to get that driver. Mile. Yeah, the first and last mile, you need a driver. And that's, that's basically, people say it's dis- disrupting the trucking industry. It's half true. It's mostly disrupting the rail industry because a lot of things now you put on rail companies. When you have what called induced demand, it's almost like you have four pockets. You go to a place, you basically get things enough for four pockets. If you have six pockets, all of a sudden you trying to get things for six pockets. Right. right? <laughs> the moment you can have access to more trucks. So the people who used to move things very trained, they're just going to put them on the highway. Right. So the demand going to be even greater for truck drivers. Now, the autonomous, like you mentioned, that's primarily for the highway and long distances. It's not for the kind of no, off-road. No, no. Uh, even that, uh, what you will see very soon, it's what's called platooning, which means you have one truck ahead and you have another truck behind it following it. But there's still another person in the second truck for what's called exceptions. That means you remember what happened with Uber in Arizona. You had one driver, that lady in the car, uh, in case something happened to take over, to override the vehicle. I don't know, but obviously she did not. Imagine that same scenario with an 80,000-pound vehicle on the highway. Yeah. That's a whole different problem. Yes. So if somebody wanted to, what's the pain your clients are, your, these trucking companies, are, if there's a shortage, so they know, they have to have a conversation with you just to alleviate some of that pain, right? Yes, because um, the shortage of drivers is not so much, so much a shortage of body counts as far as drivers counts, right? It's available it's, it's hours. available hours. Because you have a driver, for instance, who's late for his appointment, now he sits there waiting 72 hours. Within those 72 hours, that driver just lost 33 hours worth of driving <laughs> right, hours. Exactly. So that's 33 hours that's not no longer in the pool of, of those companies' right. driving time. So if we can help by making sure that, okay, you, you almost, you sure you're going to be late, then we're going to get you somebody there to take over and make sure you, right. you so pick up Right, so everything gets there when it's supposed to get there. Correct. Even when pickup, because you have drivers picking up on a Friday, and then he <coughs> got stuck in traffic. He ran out of hours. Before you know it, he cannot drive to the pickup, and then now he has to wait for Monday to pick up. Guess what? That driver is going to be miserable. He wants to quit. Right. All those people don't open on weekend, 
that's uh, part of the reason you see uh, uh, turnover in the trucking industry is 95% wow. attrition rate. So if somebody wanted to learn more, maybe get in this directory um, for being a driver or if they want to work with you, what's the website for guys? SpotQ.com, S-P-O-T-K-E-W. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Hey, thank you for having me. All right. Hang with us. We've got one more guest. Yes. Next up on ATDC Radio, we have Mr. Tyler Johnson. Welcome. Thank you for having me. How's your truck driving skills? Got any available time? I actually do have a truck driving license. <laughs> there you go. And I'm thinking if the start out thing doesn't, doesn't work, work then, you know, <laughs> plan B. You know, starving uh, entrepreneurs at four or five hundred bucks doesn't sound so bad. Sounds pretty tempting. <laughs> so you're with PrivOps. Uh, what are you doing for folks? Uh, yeah, so I'm a technologist by trade. I, a truck driving technologist. That's right. You know, <laughs> I wonder if I can write code while the autonomous truck is is going down the road. <laughs> um, maybe so. Uh, hey, there's an idea for you, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, getting paid by two masters at once. Uh, yeah. So, so my background's in technology, and um, what we've developed is technology to support what those in the industry call digital transformation. And what does that mean? So digital transformation is it's one of those terms that the high paid consultants created. It sounds like just you saying that's going to cost me a thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, I'll get I'll, I'll give you a 50 percent discount. Uh, yeah. So really what it's about is about companies being able to use the data they have more effectively to, mm-hmm. to create better experiences for their customers and to create new businesses. So an example of that would be. Uh, fulfillment by Amazon. So, for example, Amazon was a bookstore, and they were able to rework their supply chain so that they could create a model where other manufacturers, other retailers would be able to use Amazon to fulfill so, so Amazon would use we you would use Amazon's inventory facilities and their distribution to be able to fulfill orders. Well, that's a completely new business that UPS couldn't do, or FedEx couldn't do, or Walmart couldn't do. And Amazon was able to do that because they were able to take data from their supply chain systems and integrate that with their their e-commerce systems and do that much more quickly and much more effectively. So that's that's an example of a new business model that you would have. An- another example of what you would do in, in creating uh, better customer experiences is imagine that uh, you've got a problem uh, with your service, with your cable company. And when you call the customer support person, and, and these, these companies are working actively to do this transformation, when, they, when you call them, they have information on your purchase history, on your service history, on what activity you've had on social media, like if, they've, if, they, if, if you've given reviews on TripAdvisor if you're a hotel. Your customer service person has access to all that information. So in real time, they can say, well, this is a good customer. We're going to offer them better something special. discounts right. or a free add-on or something like that. 
But what it does is it creates the ability to take all this data from all these locations and create a better customer experience when you when you. And it's customized to whatever the customer like. So if they were obnoxious online, you might treat them differently, right? Because you're like, okay, I got to kind of be careful here because this person could shred me on social media. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That there's definitely potential for that type of uh, of activity. So it's kind of uh, you're able to then create a really custom experience for each customer you know, at scale. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, think about it as as mass customization at scale, mm-hmm. and and your experience with the brand online, your experience with them in person. Uh, the types of things that they can provide. So imagine, for example, a hotel reservation system where you get complimentary tickets to Billy Joel, who happens to be in the same city that night. Because it knows you like Billy Joel. Because it knows you know you like Billy Joel. So so making making use of all the data that's out there that's available to create these really great customer experiences is really what the idea is about. But then also to be able to create new digital capabilities and that enable new business models like what Amazon did in taking their distribution capability and inventory management capability as a bookstore and turning that into a completely new business model or being able to create new products on demand. Uh, So, uh, you know, customer configures the product, what they want, it's put together, it's shipped. Uh, uh, The uh, the number of examples are are massive. It's infinite. So now if you're a company and you... Just in day-to-day, everybody, almost every business is collecting all kinds of data, Yeah. right? Yeah. And, th- and it's almost like there's too much data for me to deal with because, number one, I don't know how to process all of this. Number two, I don't know where potential opportunities are in there. So your firm comes in and kind of calls through this and then helps me see the possibilities? <laughs> well, that that's what digital transformation does is it gives you the ability to make sense of all the data that you have and create outcomes with that data. Right. What we do is a little different is we've got technology that helps you optimize how you transform. So think of it as not just the processes, but we we make it possible for you to deliver those digital capabilities much more quickly through the automation that we provide. So now, um, do you have an example of that? Do you have a client that you can share kind of a success story? Uh, So an example of that would be, um, I don't know if you've heard of the new data privacy laws in Europe, the GDPR. Sure. Uh, There's been a lot of press, a a lot of uh, attention given that. And um, one of the things is that as as a data subject in the EU, uh, and, and U.S. companies are subject to this because a lot of multi, a lot of Fortune 500s are multinationals. Pretty right. much all of them are. And uh, uh, so, if a data subject wants you to not share their their information with a specific third party, they have the right to tell you not to do that. Right. So, what we can do is we can automate the process of pulling that data out 
And usually when data is passed from one company to another, it's done electronically through some sort of automated method. Right. Uh, we call it an API in the business, but I don't need to go into what that is. Uh, what we do is we make it possible for you to, in real time, delete out just non-consenting um, consumers' data. Individual. Individual, one by one. And, and so what that means is that as a company, you can still have that rich data transfer to your third parties and advertisers and location services and marketing firms and all the different other third parties that you use to build your customer experience. Y you can still do that, but then you can also keep people's data secure and private according to their wishes, which is a, a requirement of the law. Right. So then I'm GDPR compliant kind of... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you th you think about it, uh, you know, data privacy and security are exponentially growing problems for businesses because right. the data is growing exponentially right. too. So uh, so that's really what we do is is we create aut automation that makes it possible for you to continue to use data effectively, but then also to create those new digital capabilities more quickly than you would using traditional methods. So now where does um, kind of these uh, the buzzwords like AI or blockchain, does, how does that all fit together? Because it seems like every time you turn around, there's some new technology. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, the, so I was looking at there, there's um, IT analyst um, uh, called Gartner. Right. Uh, you know, some Dean, are you familiar with yes. him? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so they've got this thing called the hype cycle where basically they're talking about all these emerging technologies and they make predictions about which technologies are gonna be adopted and which ones aren't. And this guy went back and looked 15 years back. Every year, these reports came out and they could not show a statistically significant correlation between the predictions and which technologies actually came about. So you look at blockchain, there's some obvious things that we know that there's going to be use cases for. Like, for example, giving patients control over their own records, right? Um, cryptocurrencies in third world countries where inflation is a problem and fraud is a problem. Some of the other stuff is kind of, you know, I mean. Right. Like we were at a fintech conference doing this um, a while back. And every single company said blockchain is a real thing, but they wouldn't bet on any cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, isn't that ironic? <laughs> and, and also, every use case for a blockchain, you can do it with a database. It, it, blockchain is just a distributed ledger. Right. So what it means is that there's, there's a public trust factor to it, but there's also a cost associated with right. that public trust because it requires a whole bunch more processing power. If the world's, a, what was it? If the, the business that was transacted with Visa were transacted with Bitcoin, the amount of compute power would exceed the compute power of all the data centers on the entire planet. 
Yeah, that's not in the brochure, right? When they talk no, about no, it. that's not in the brochure. <laughs> not in the brochure. So, so how that relates to PrivOps and what we do is we get companies out of the process of placing bets on future technologies, and we we have the the technology that makes it easy for them to switch in and out different technologies. So the cost of making a decision about any particular technology is 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 driven down as low as possible. Mm-hmm. So AI is the same thing. Um, I, I was just commenting on Twitter the other day that I, rem- I remember being in university in the 1990s and reading about genetic algorithms and neural networks. And a- AI has been around a very long time. Right. And I mean, just 30 years later. 30 years later. So tell me what's different. <laughs> well, what's different now is natural language processing, facial recognition that's, that's driven through machine learning. The, the algorithms are more or less the same. The processing power is much, much higher. So right. it's really that kind of that use case driven thing. It's like, well, do you need to be able to recognize a poodle from a dachshund? I, you know, I don't know. I'm, some businesses Somebody do. Somebody might, right. Somebody might. So, so how does this whole sales and marketing thing work? with a product slash service as complex as what you have. I mean, I I get the sense that if you have an opportunity to have a conversation like this with a senior level decision maker inside an organization of some size and complexity, you know, you're probably money. But how does the whole sales and marketing thing, how how do you even get to have these conversations? Well, part of it is, um, is... I don't know, talking on podcasts or joining there podcasts. Yeah. Business Radio X. That Business right Radio answer. X. That's at the heart of everything. <laughs> uh, but do you speak at conferences? Are you subject matter expert? In I, some I of this do. Stuff? I've, like, I was, write articles and all that stuff? Yeah, I've, I've written a bunch of articles. I've uh, been a panelist on a, n- a number of events. Uh, I'll be doing some conferences here this year. Uh, th- that's part of it. But but you you really did hit on something that's, that's a huge challenge is that, that – Chief information officers or C-level executives don't typically interact with startups. And that's that's pretty unusual for that to happen. There are what we call innovation centers of excellence, where you've got people within corporations whose job it is to go and find startups and make make uh, uh, make connections. but a lot of times they're looking for a shiny object. They're looking for something that says AI, a chatbot, or you know something that's you know that that has a lot of bling to it, as it were. Where what we're talking, I'm a plumber. I'm, right. I'm a technology right. plumber. Uh, the, the problem is, is you can't build your sky cra- sk- skyscraper without having the the right foundation in place. So uh, so. We are get we are we are starting to get conversations with C level executives, and we're partnering with the consultants that charge you five hundred dollars an hour. Uh, the challenge we have with that, and it's very interesting, is that if you make the process of building new stuff easier, you're actually taking money out of the consultants' pockets. <laughs> Because they make less money. Well, that's an interesting dance, then. That it is. It's quite learn. the dance. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So now, for you, you're looking to meet CIOs and chief technology officers. Yeah. Uh, so there's a new role called the chief data officer. Uh, so these are folks. They're they're in charge of the data strategy for the company. Those are the kinds of people that are going to understand. Hey, you know, 
I've got petabytes and petabytes of data. I can't make any sense of it. I've got to get my arms around this. And oh, by the way, they haven't given me much budget. So how do I how do I squeeze, you know, blood out of an uh, out of a rock, as it were? So that's that's the answer is is technology. You, you've got to be really smart about your technology, but then also thinking about okay, well, how do I make the case to the marketing guys, and how do I make the case to the the guys that own the business unit and the salespeople and all the other stakeholders that are involved? You've got to say okay, if we use this technology, we make this choice about how we're going to deliver what we do, then you guys are going to be more effective and. I can help you explain how how that how that impacts uh, all those different stakeholders. Amazon did that. That that's basically Amazon. Most people don't realize was not a digitally transformed company until in 2003. Jeff Bezos put a mandate out that said, "This is how you guys are going to build all your technology inside the company henceforth and forever," and that's. That was the genesis of Amazon Cloud. That's that. That was the vision Jeff had was that we're going to create better customer experience by using technology to lower costs and simultaneously enable an ecosystem of, of other uh, entities. And in his case, it's, it's other uh, uh, suppliers initially, and then retailers after that. Um, and the way that they were able to enable that was by being smart about how they built their technology. And then, which is ironic because there were other bigger players at the time that could have easily right, done that, but right. they didn't have the foresight or vision. Uh, it, the, the history is replete with those. Uh, it, I, apparently, <laughs> apparently, Sears is still going to survive. Uh, the, the, the rumors of their demise were... Uh, it was reported yesterday that they they were done, and then apparently there was a last minute a hail deal, mary, last minute hail mary. But uh, you and know, hey, if you want a Craftsman screwdriver, you're going to Lowe's now, buddy. And remember, Sears was Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> Sears was Amazon, right? And what the difference was the business model that they chose to stick with, and their lack of vision on how. They were going to change their business. Jeff Bezos is. There's a reason he's the richest man in the world. It's because he sees how those two things work together, and and the people, process, and technology together can drive new customer outcomes. Yep, good stuff. So now, uh, what what drew you to ATDC? Um, well, my colleague here had uh, had a great answer. Mm -hmm. I. I would say that, you know, I, I would just echo what he said. The, the ecosystem here is amazing. Georgia Tech is just an amazing, uh, amazing institution. And I, I love the public academic partnership between the state of Georgia and Georgia Tech to provide this. Uh, you may not be aware, but there's something like 200 startups here. We're yeah. the, the, the largest incubator in the Southeast. And that draws a huge amount of talent in, in terms of mentorship, in terms of people that want to join startups, lends a bunch of credibility. Um, and, um, you know, and, and what they ask for in return is pretty minimal, frankly. It's not like Y Combinator where they take a big chunk of equity. Right. And the fees to be part of this are like nothing and for you though um you could have worked for big companies or i'm sure you have in the past what caused you to kind of go out on your own and, and do this venture well you know uh, it sounds uh, like you might be unhirable 
Well, that may be true. I'll leave that for other others to judge. But uh, what what I would say is is funny story. So I'm I'm not your typical twenty something entrepreneur. I, I worked for big companies like Hewlett Packard and NetApp and Rackspace. It's a two billion dollar managed service provider, and um, for tw- over twenty years. So since I've gone into this startup deal. Folks will get downsized, like mid to senior level folks, and they'll come to me and say, hey, I want to do a startup. And I say, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. So over a decade ago, I got my MBA from Southern Methodist in Dallas, and it was an entrepreneurship. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and we've planned for a decade for how we're going to transition from the corporate world to the startup world. So it's been a, we're, uh, you know, it, it, what they say, you know, it's uh, there's no such thing as an overnight right, success yeah. in, in, in yeah. startup land. Right. So now, uh, how's it been? You okay? Surviving? Oh, there, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> and sometimes moment to moment, it really is. <laughs> That also isn't in the brochure. It, it was not. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. So what do you need more of right now? Uh, we need more conversations with CIOs. Uh, we're really, um, you know, so we, we, we were able to get into the bridge community that uh, Coca-Cola sponsors here, which mm-hmm. is about linking startups with Fortune 500s. With enterprise companies, sure. And that's gotten us some visibility, but... Uh, it's it's really a difficult sell. A platform sell is a very challenging sell for a startup, even a large company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so what we need more of is more FaceTime with with top executives that are prospective customers. And if somebody wanted to have a more substantive conversation with you, what's the best way to learn more? Uh, well, we do have a website. It's privops.com, P-R-I-V-O-P-S. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook, as well as LinkedIn. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on ATDC Radio. 